screen? Yeah. Yeah, my daughter, my granddaughter is watching Cinderella. Oh, okay. Okay. I can, no, I think I'll it'll be. No, I think it'll be fine because uh, there's nobody even on yet. Well, but I can mute the audio unless I want to talk and unmute it when I want to talk. You know. All right. Well, I think somebody just popped on. I'm not sure who it is yet. All right. This is Ashley Williams, Legacy Farms Coffee, and we are in Honduras. I was going to do it on the back porch tonight, but it is cold, man. It's mist and rain and about 55 degrees, and I've been out in the weather all day, so I decided to not. To. So we are uh, in Honduras. I came up here on a sort of an emergency trip. Uh, I got a uh, an email Monday or a text Monday uh, a week ago, and they said, there's been a little landslide. And then a, a Tuesday, they sent me one and said the bathroom's going to go off the hill. And uh, so I had them go in there and take out the toilets and sinks. And they actually took the roof off in one piece. And so I got up here on Sunday and went up and looked at everything. And it didn't look that bad because it was Sunday night before I could get, actually get up there. It was dark and it was pouring rain. And so I had this plan drawn out Monday night when I got home, how we were going to save the bathroom. And then we got up there on Monday and I could look at it a little more. And Anna told me there was this crack in front of the bathroom. And when we got to putting that in, uh, I said, yeah, I weighed all that. And I said, I just, I don't know. I think I can save it if we build it, but we're going to have to spend a lot of money to save it. And that is still going to put that weight's going to put a lot of stress the other parts about five feet from his collapse. Uh, the landslide has five feet on the other side of it. So I said, well, let, let's, we're just going to have to scrap it. And uh, so that's what we did. We scrapped the bathroom while they were tearing it down. They got in there with sledgehammers and started knocking the walls down. It literally moved an inch and a half while they were in there. And so I probably could have saved it, but it would have been a lot of concrete, a lot of work to, to do that. So we just went ahead and took it out. Now we started building a, a small retaining wall about 15 feet below where that bathroom is. Uh, I'll put some pictures on tonight. I forgot to do it the other day, but uh, we took these big sheets of plastic and it's what we dry coffee on. So they're fairly expensive and we rolled those down the hill and I should have taken better pictures because it was uh, it was a muddy, sloppy, muddy mess. They were up to their knees uh, in a couple of places. The mud is just so sloppy. But we rolled all those down, tied them together with ropes, and uh, so now when it rains, the plastic and it keeps it off of you know where the landfall was. Uh, we're just going to leave it that way. We're going to add some more plastic tomorrow, but we're going to leave that piece like it is until it dries up. And then we're going to have to build a massive uh, retaining wall. It's going to probably be about 35 foot long. And it's going to have to be about six foot tall. And then from that, we'll start having dump trucks come in and dump some good packable dirt. And just literally get 20 or 30 guys out there with big posts and start packing the dirt in every time a dump truck comes. And we'll spread it out, pack it back down, and then cover all that with I'm figuring about 120 meters of rocks that are about five, six, seven, eight times the size of your head. Um, and then that, that should hold it, but it's, uh, <clears throat> we're going to have to wait till after harvest. 
So we've, we're going to keep it covered from now till harvest. The electric company came out yesterday and reset the pole that fell. I don't know how. We got a bracing pole that we were putting on it, and then they just showed up the next day. So that saved us a lot of work. But they unhooked everything, cut the uh, and and got that post set. And it was a big post and reset it about 20 feet up. Um, we're going to set our own post right in the middle of the property because when they moved it 20 feet, it let the lines droop down. So you can literally reach up and touch the electric line. But uh, we're going to set a post and get it up, up as high as we can get it and try to incorporate that in with the new church sign that we're putting up. We're going to call it uh, uh, Bueno Community Church is what it's going to officially be named. Uh, so we'll get, we're getting a sign. The preacher's wife makes uh, vinyl lettering and stuff. So we're going to get like a, a probably a four by four sign. I had a buddy of mine hand paint one. It looks really good, but it's not weathering very well. So when we put the sign up, part of the one side of the sign is going to be 20 feet you know, the pole will be 20 feet tall and hold the, the electric lines up off of us. Because uh, right now you couldn't park a bus in there. So we're going to have to uh, fit or probably tomorrow and uh, a little bit Saturday or a little bit Friday, we'll finish the, the wall structure we're doing. One of my workers, um, Miguel, the land sort of slid down by his house and knocked the wall out. So I'll post that. I think I posted that picture already. It, it had a comment and somebody thought I was being sort of uh, sarcastic, but uh, literally it'll cost us about $2,000 to build a retaining wall because some of that other land is starting to separate. It'll cost us about $2,000 to build the retaining wall to save a $2,000 house. But uh, I said that being, ba I mean, that's just a, a fact, you know, but also part of it is there's a house that might be for sale down the road. So we may just try to work out something to move them into that house. Uh, if we can't buy it, we might be able to rent it for a while. But his little house is Adobe. Uh, it took out more than 50% of the wall. So uh, we'll have to have a beam in the center and then we'll, uh, we'll put concrete block if we can get it fixed in there right. Uh, I think we can fix it in about two days do that after I'm gone. Right now we put, uh, we're putting more plastic up on the wall tomorrow so that at least it's, you know, fairly warm in the house. Cause right now just that room is exposed to the elements. They put some plastic on the inside, but we'll make sure that we get all that tied down and nailed down to where, uh, uh, you know, it's a little bit livable. If you see my post from today, there's, uh, uh, a picture of a couple of kids. They just worried me to death. I, I'm sure they're precious to their mom, but they worried me to death today. We kept running them out. They kept going back in. And I was trying to wire the building because when they moved their pole, we had to reset our pole and we had to redo the wiring. And it was just a good time. The bathroom is where our main breaker feed was. So we lost that. So I had to move all that inside the, uh, the dentist office. So we, uh, but the kids wouldn't keep, wouldn't quit coming in there. And I had this massive wire that we just sort of hodgepodge together over the last year and a half. And so I was trying to go through that. And some of the wires were sort of sketchy. Um, and to test them, I had to pull the, the nut caps off all of them. So there was exposed live wires and the little kids just kept coming in. And finally they were jumping up and down. And I had the breaker box lid laying on a table 
and it sort of sort of flat. And I guess she didn't see it real well. And she just smashed right into her with her eye. And she's tough enough she wouldn't cry, but I could tell it hurt her because they finally left after that. But their dad is sort of oblivious. He's the guy that the wall fell out. And he's oblivious to just his kids running around like maniacs and just screaming and yelling and just getting into everything. So we tried to sort of just, you know, roll with it. But I was sort of glad when they did leave. But I made a comment that uh, I've been feeding them for years. Every time I go by, I'll bring them snacks. And so they, you know, they're used to coming in. But today wasn't, uh, you know, perfect day for them to come in. But mostly what I've been doing and mostly what I do is fetch parts. And so once I get all the parts up there, uh, today we've been doing wood for forming some of the, uh, we're, uh, we put rebar together in little columns and we formed up boxes and poured that first. Tomorrow we'll actually start setting rocks, but it's at a 45 degree angle that we're going up. So it'll be pretty easy to set the rocks. Uh, <clears throat> the next one we do is gonna be a lot steeper angle. And so it'll be a little bit harder. But uh, just wiring yesterday, you know, we have to you have to hook those wires up live because they won't shut the system off for you. And so what I do is I take a half inch piece of rebar <clears throat> and I trim about eight inches of wire. And, uh, and then we get up there and trim about four or five inches of wire off their line that's hanging on the telephone pole. And there's there's a neutral, of course, or a ground, which is just an uninsulated aluminum wire. And there's two black wires. And so I'll wrap it around my rebar real tight and then pull it off. And then we just twist it to the, the backwards to the left. And when we get on that a live wire, we can just twist it back to the right. And it just winds its way around. And I got a dry stick that I sort of bang on it with and get it to go on there. So nobody dies. And then, we, and then we're hooking it into our, our feed lot while it's live. And so then that's even, you know, that's harder to do. But luckily with the pole being down, we were able to hook our feet up first. And then, uh, and then we just ran a new wire. And then the guy's like, Hey, you want me to do it for you? So they ended up hooking it all up for us. So we already had it hooked up. And then when they moved the pole, they said, well, you can't hook it here. You got to move it. So then we had to do it all over again, but they helped us and did it. And so it made it a lot easier. Uh, but because I lost my breaker box, uh, all the wires had to be run, you know, from scratch. So that's day. And I hopefully I'm going to go back up there tonight, work till probably midnight. And then I'll, uh, tomorrow I should be able to get everything finished up and setting. Oh, you got a helper with you. We'll set a breaker box in what's going to be the coffee uh, shop. And then I'm going to set another breaker box in the actual library. And then from there we'll run wires in whatever directions and uh, we'll come back in December. We're setting up a, uh, some security lights and security cameras so that we can use the guard a lot less. And I uh, think the security cameras and lights will be about $800, but we're spending, you know, 40, $50 a week on a guard right now. So long-term that'll help us out. And, and I'll do it. I'll just spend the, you know, we've cut the guard back just from budget, but, um, you know, one night a week, we'll just randomly have a guard come through. And then uh, I've got a couple of kids that just like to use it, be able to use the internet. So I've, uh, I let them and two of the women in the neighborhood, I gave them the password of the Wi-Fi. And so they, uh, they come up and I've got them a chair and they sit and use Wi-Fi. So 
I don't think anybody's going to break in while they're there. So that was my, that was the cheapest way I could get a guard there. Yeah, actually, this is Patrick. Ah, Patrick. <laughs> is he happy tonight? He is now. <laughs> Well, so we're just we're plugging along, doing what we can to to either slow the erosion down until the dry season. Uh, Miguel's house is pretty urgent, so as soon as we can, hoping we can work on that on Saturday, we'll get some plastic up tomorrow, and then we'll uh, every rock and the boulder that we have left over, we're going to use it, Miguel. Can and, and there's a couple places we're going to go ahead and preemptively go ahead and and cut it so it won't slide. So we'll go ahead and make it slide. And then we'll use that dirt. You know, we, if we do it while it's, uh, you know, if we can control it a little bit, then we can level it out to the angle we want uh, and then cover it with rock. And hopefully that'll prevent it from, you know, prevent it from skidding anymore. And then we just put a cap on it. The first four or five feet, we'll cap it with concrete. So that'll, that'll help. And then, uh, the rock itself will act as a filter and slow down the rain, you know, when it comes. So I got a couple ideas. We'll see which one I'm, which one I'm working. Don't. Is Miguel the name of the person that that, that house is that you were? Yeah. $2,000 to protect $2,000 house. Yeah. 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 His name's, it would be Michael in English, I guess. <clears throat> but, right. uh, Miguel and then uh, Miguelito is his little boy, uh, and he's got a he's got a couple of the cutest little kids. But man, they are they're a mess. And for what there's some kind of a vacation period they're going through right now, uh, so they're out of school. So that doesn't help. They're you know they're just bored out of their mind, I guess, most of the day. So their dad's working over there, so they came over with him. And, uh, Excuse me. Most of the time, he's a he works in the farm, so most of the time, he is, uh, you know, out in the farm, and I, uh, they're always up by the main road, which is super dangerous. And he's got a toddler that just walked right across the road yesterday, and uh, he didn't even he didn't take off running or anything. One of the little he was standing up there by the road, about fifty yards away, and then the other little kid can't be more than about seven or eight just ran out there, picked him up and ran to the other side of the road and waited for traffic to go by and then carried him back across the road. So it's a pretty laid back group. <laughs> so, but I knew I wouldn't do me any good to run. I was too far away. Take me 30 minutes to get there. Well, Bill, how's everybody, everything going with, we got Bill and Richard that have said hi. And we got another uh, close to a dozen that are watching. So anybody wants to jump on, you guys sure can. We don't have a set schedule tonight. I was going to answer a couple questions. Uh, I just took a bite of bread, so it's perfect time to start talking. Somebody asked me, and I've said before, there are no stupid questions, but there are some that are funny. And so somebody asked, what variety of decaf bean do we grow? And to answer that question, there aren't decaf beans. Any bean can be decaffeinated, far as I know. 
the decafing process, there's two main processes. One's done with chemicals. And Bill, Richard, any of you guys that, that know what those chemicals are, you're welcome to chime in. But you put some kind of chemicals in it, and it either dissolves the caffeine or separates it out. The Swiss water process is the one that we, I say use, the one that we buy and that we roast. Uh, it does something with pressure extrusion and pushes the caffeine out. Uh, that's called a Swiss water process. There's two plants that I know of where our beans come from. One is in Canada, one's in Mexico. It's not cost effective for me to send my beans to Canada and then ship them from Canada to the States. So we buy somebody else's no. beans. Uh, it's very expensive. The smallest decaffeination plant that you can set up would be, you know, $25,000, $30,000. So I don't think it's anything that we're going to do. Although I would like to, uh, I, I definitely want to address that in the next couple of years. And uh, I've, I've talked, reached out to a couple of guys to see if somebody would want to go in and just see, uh, you know, I find out more about it, of course, but see what it would cost for a couple of us to go in. Because I personally feel like <clears throat> there'd be a lot of people around here that would want us to decaffeinate their beans. For me, I, I would only need to do like 5% of my beans. Uh, and then, you know, for what we sell decaffeinated in a year. But also it might be a new market I could get into for selling the green beans if we had a decaffeinated one that came from my farm. I think, Bill, you bought a couple beans from me that I bought from somebody else. So it's uh, it's definitely something I want to look into. Uh, I don't know a lot about the decaffeination uh, decaffeinating process other than what I've researched on the Swiss water when I had to make a call into which one to buy. I get mine for one of my customers and uh, I looked it up. The three main ones that we sell and we rotate Sumatra, Mexico, and one of them's an Indonesian. They're all decaffeinated with the Swiss water process. And the reason we rotate is because where we get them from uh, rotates. And so we get what they've got when we need it. I just ordered a bag and I think it's going to be the Indonesian that'll come this time. I actually like the Mexican bean better, but when you get these decaffeinated beans, I've yet to have a variety or cupping notes that came with the bag. It, uh, and so I changed my, uh, my sticker that I put on the bags because I have little, little stickers that I just print up on the computer. And I changed it because uh, there's five different ones that we get that we've gotten over the last two years. So rather than just having a bunch of different stickers, I just put decaf on it. That's all it says is decaf. Uh, I don't even put any kind of flavor profile or anything. Uh, uh, you know, I just uh, I try all of it. I generally really don't like the decaffeinated, but the one that I have tried and have liked is the uh, is the uh, Mexican one, and it was also the it was like about forty cents cheaper uh, than the other one. But they're all pretty good. They're just uh, they're just not. And I personally feel that if you if I take all the time to uh, take care of my bean and I know that we need to dry the beans and it needs to gently go down in the humidity to 13.1 to 12.5% to humidity. 
So I just feel like if I go through all that trouble to dry that bean so carefully, and then I send it somewhere, and then they just soak it in a bunch of water to it's back to 100% humidity, and then they put it in a mechanical dryer and dry it in 36 hours, I don't, I don't know that it would even be especially great, uh, you know, rated as especially great coffee anymore. Uh, I guess I, if I ever had that done, I would have to send it back to the cupper and have it recupped. But it's um, to me, I don't know that I would ever want to do my coffee other than the fact that if I could decaffeinate it first and then dry it, you know, a little bit more carefully and just hope for the best and, and see what we got from it. But I definitely want to look at that. Now I'm looking into getting the laser sorter and I know it's 40,000 plus, you know, dollars, you know, to just for the thing and to have it installed. And I don't know what kind of a company and equipment I would have to have with it. I know I'd have to buy another D hauler because our D hauler only does about six or 700 pounds an hour. And I think that it does quite a bit more than that. Uh, I think the small machine will process our farm in about three weeks where it takes us over two months to do it. So it's, it's quite a bit faster than what we could do hand. Um, and a lot of what slows us up is how fast we can dehull the beans. You know, a lot of times the women will take a day off because they're waiting on Bahidio to get caught up. But no, I'd love to look into it uh, a little bit more and try to get the, you know, have decaffeinated and to have the, uh, the laser sorter. Because right now our main problem on the farm, other than it sliding in on itself, is finding workers. I need, I need 40 guys out on the farm right now. And uh, I've got maybe 18 and a couple of San Diego and Pedro brought all their kids in. And so they brought five kids between them and they're out there fertilizing. Uh, and there some, well, there's a couple of groups that are cleaning ahead of them. And there's, and then there's the main group that's fertilizing. And then I've got the third group of five guys right now. They took everybody I had today. So I'm down to five guys helping do the rock work with, along with the contractor. I've got a concrete guy that's up there doing it. But, and that's one of the things that we were talking about. Another question we had, what's going on in the farm this time of year, we have to clean the grass. We have to cut the grass with a hoe uh, and make room around that plant so that they can drive a stake in the ground and put right now they're putting four ounces of fertilizer on all the mature plants. And then they cave that hole in. We drive it in with a stake because I want it in there a little bit deeper because we're on a hill and I don't want that fertilizer to float out and get into the river. And I also don't want it to float out and not be on my plant because fertilizing right now with the cost, it's about $11,000 every time we fertilize. So we want to make sure we don't contaminate the water, but we also want to keep every grain of that fertilizer in the hole. So this afternoon, when they got done working on the concrete on top of the hill, they came down and we're mixing. Uh, we have a certain portion that they're mixing. So there's a couple different fertilizers. So we dump all the bags out in the pile, take shovels and mix them up and then put them right back in the bags again. So tomorrow morning at six, there'll be somebody here loading my truck. I'll drive to our farm in Pavis, which is the town next two towns over or two communities over. And then we're going to fertilize our farm there. So we'll have nine guys can fertilize that uh, five acres in one day. So I'm not sure how many plants. I think it's, shoot, I don't know. It's probably 13,000 plants. 
they ought to be able to knock that out in a day. It, uh, uh, Andrew just said, it sounds like a lot going on at once. Uh, can you guys see the questions that are being answered or is it just me or being a asked? So yeah, right now we're doing, we've got four projects going on at the same time. Um, and as I said, before you got on, Andrew, I was talking to, uh, to Jerry. Now, Jerry, uh, is a pastor in Oregon and he's been out to the farm and came out here and let me feed him. And, uh, we had a great time going out to eat. And I think one of the best, uh, best times I had, we went to that little market and we're buying veggies and stuff. And you mm -hmm. bought a bunch of av avocados and man, I love avocados. And we scored that day because you don't yeah. get good avocados in Honduras. And but when you guys left, you left about half of them here. So uh, I hoarded yeah. those things. <laughs> I think it was about this time last year when I first started reaching out to you on Facebook and we started planning on us coming out there to see you in January. Yeah, it was, uh, I enjoy having people on the farm. Uh, that's, as, as frustrating it is uh, doing some of the, the nonprofit stuff, uh, it makes up for it when you have a group out uh, and you get a hundred people going through a clinic or you've got a smaller group that goes out and, and does two or three construction projects or something. And uh, somebody asked me one time what I paid. And of course, I never answer that question because people, if they haven't been here, you wouldn't understand. Uh, and it's a very sensitive subject. And I've done the math and all I can say is I pay as much as I can. And I can say that after nine years of having this big farm, we've yet to make a profit. Uh, and the farm wasn't bought to make a profit. The farm was bought to change lives. Um, but it's uh, even if I doubled the average pay or even if I tripled the average pay of a worker, he needs an $800 roof on his house. It's going to take him years to to save up for that roof. And if you think life happens in the United States, life happens here. Miguel never dreamed last week that a landslide's going to knock the wall out of his house, you know? And so now he's broke, he's got a hole in his wall and, you know, his kids are cold. So what we decided to do was all the money that we could stockpile, we broke it up into a couple of things. We have a long-term bank and a short-term bank. We have a benevolence fund. And then we have a, uh, a work project fund. And so when we uh, have some downtime, Santiago and Pedro are brothers. The chimney pipes keep your house clean of smoke. And so it's just a healthier environment to live in. On a bigger project, you know, we're going to need uh, hundreds of dollars to put a roof on. We can make the call. Last year we had we did some roofs, so we had to do a cheaper roof so that we we had to make a call. Do we do one nice roof for one house, or do we put two like eight or ten year roofs on <clears throat> for two houses? So it just makes sense to do the two houses. And then a friend of mine owns a paint store, and we're going to try to start painting those roofs. And he says if you paint it every five years, it'll last forever. So we're going to give that a try. Uh, I'm planning on living forever, uh, and so. Uh, that's definitely not going to happen. But uh, I figured if they, you know, they could afford a couple gallons of paint every couple of years and they may get 30 years out of a roof. You know, in my mind, most of the houses we work on won't last 30 years anyway. But when I can, I put the best roof on that I can. 
And if you use standard uh, LAD spacing on your house, you could re you could take the old roof off and put a new one on. So we don't nail the roofs on. We drive them in with a drill driver and a screw. And so you can literally take that roof off and replace all the the lads and the you know trusses and all in the house and put that same roof back on again. Uh, so a thirty year roof makes makes sense to me when we can do it. So instead of pay, we do pay more, but instead of paying, trying to figure out how much we can pay every year, we just uh, we make sure they got plenty of money to live on. But we also make sure that uh, you know some of their health cares are met with a couple of dental clinics a year. I mean, a couple of medical clinics a year. And make sure that, you know, everybody has a roof over their head and, uh, and one that doesn't leak. And if I can't fix it, we can tarp it or we can tar it or something like that. Or if I can't replace it, we can do that. So those are some of the things where the money goes, you know, when people do buy our coffee. And that's, uh, and that's one of the main reasons. I would like to be, in two years, I'd like to be selling 75% of the coffee that I produce. I'd like to be selling it roasted. If we can do that, then that, then you know we'd, we'd be in a whole lot better position to, you know, to just living wise, you know, and and nonprofit wise. But a couple of things that I was working on today is finishing up the dental chair. So when I had to put a new breaker box in the dental clinic, anyway, I went ahead and hardwired in uh, some stuff so that uh, we're not running extension cords for the lights and things in the dental clinic. So I've which I've got a plug in right there by the dental chair. So the dental chair doesn't have to be moved around. We don't have to, you know, run temporary wires and stuff, getting that dental clinic set up to where it's a little more, a little nicer. And then uh, once I've got everything on the chair working, like the lights and the pneumatics and get a drill head and things like that, then that's the most expensive part of the dental clinic. And then the second part is, uh, I think it, we figured the other day that to fill two teeth, uh, it's seventeen dollars. Uh, that's that's doing a bunch of them in a day because that seventeen dollars also has to cover the dentist, which obviously is not seventeen dollars. So uh, she can do or he can do. It's a it's a she and a he right now. They can do somewhere around sixty fillings in a day, and so that would cover the fillings one injection and the, uh, the cost of the dentist, uh, which is very little. We're not paying their, their hourly salary or anything. We just pay their meals and to bring them from Tegu's. So it's, uh, it's pretty affordable. Uh, but right now we're going to start the dental clinic out by doing cleanings. So when I go to Marcala tomorrow, I'm going to go hit a couple dental clinics. I'll take Anna, the farm manager with me, and we're going to see what it would cost to get a dentist out here to just do cleanings one day a month and then start keeping files on the kids and let's get them in a routine of get them a, a professional cleaning uh, once a month. If we can, there, there might be too many kids, but we'll do what we can do and see what it'll cost to do that. Cause if they do the cleanings and then um, we have some extractions that need to be done, then the dentist can obviously do that. But if we keep cleaning their teeth enough and well enough, and then get a program where we're able to buy toothpaste and, and toothbrushes and, and teach them how to brush their teeth. Because, I mean, we all had to be taught to brush our teeth. Uh, maybe their parents don't know how to teach them the correct way. I don't know. So a couple of months ago, we started doing the librarian has a little book and she pulls out and it's how to brush your teeth and all that. 
so you know we're trying those baby steps we're, the, the little saying that we go with here is do the mostest with the leastest. So uh, we don't start out the nonprofit by buying a $40,000 Toyota Hilux. And then, you know, we're, you've seen our building. Uh, right, yeah, you, the building was there. You went to church. Uh, so the electricity is pretty sketchy, to say the least. And there's been a time somebody shut the door one day because there was wires running out. And all of a sudden it started arcing. You know, and and so I got rid of all that today. There's no wires, you know, they're getting crushed when the door shuts. But, uh, you know, we're, we're just a little, little time, everything up to, you know, Honduras code anyway. But we're we're trying to figure out what's the biggest project that what is a project that would help the most amount of people the, with the least amount of money. And so right now, the dental clinic would be just cleaning teeth. And then doing a day a month where they came out, did some extractions if they needed it, and then work our way up to, um, you know, doing some fillings and stuff like that. But with the equipment right now that I have, we can do cleanings all day long. So I've got all the picks and stuff, you know, little mirrors and all that stuff that you need to do that. And I have an autoclave that's also, I got it going, but it's pretty sketchy. Uh, it's some kind of a steam run machine. And so you fill it with water and then it uh, heats that water up. It looks like an espresso machine when you take it apart. The problem is I can't fix the pressure shutoff sensor. And so I put it outside and I've got a 12 foot extension cord and I set somebody in a chair with a timer. They're not allowed to watch videos. They're not allowed to listen to music. They watch the timer. And then after so many minutes, they just unplug it. Because otherwise it just keeps getting hotter and hotter. And so that's worked, that worked pretty good the last time we had a dental clinic. And it gets everything sterilized to code. So that's that's the main goal. But I'm afraid if they start watching videos or something, that something's going to blow up. And I don't know if it would actually blow up. But it's it hisses and spits to where I sort of think it might. But... Um, uh, Bill's asking if I sent a StreamYard link. I, uh, I think I did it on legacy farms, coffee and I did, uh, Facebook and I did it on Instagram. I think, do you need a link bill to get on screen? Cause I think I sent one to my wife just so I'll have one handy, but I learned how to get on. I've got my phone set up now to where I'm, I'm big stuff. Uh, I can get on my StreamYard account on my phone. Hey, Ashley, how much coffee did you lose? How many coffee plants uh, did the landslide take out? Uh, we had a small slide that uh, was just on a, a small, small scale about five years ago that took out some plants. And I just decided at that point not to replant that section. And so um, it, zero, it didn't take out. Uh, so we were lucky in that respect. But we uh, we had a fence up there. It took out the fence, and then we had a. It's a. Um, uh, it's sort of an erosion plant. It's called a sote. We had a bunch of a sote planted that it puts out a massive ground and for er, uh, for erosion control. It it was so bad. I mean, it took out all the sote. So once we get it done, we're going to start planting. Uh, just do a massive tree planting. I try to plant about 50 trees every year anyway, 
but we're going to start a Ramada, a nursery. Uh, we're going to go ahead and do that this week. And I'm going to put about 500 trees in it. And so uh, I've got a tree that's called the Caliandra. And so as long as we keep it pruned, they'll, uh, they'll put out a good root system and won't, I don't want something in there that's going to have a massive amount of weight that's just going to start falling over. And so we're, we're going to try to work with the, with the government and see what they recommend for trees. But I think that our Caliandra will work pretty well. I'm trying to send, uh, I'm going to send Bill a link real quick. Yeah, I sent you a link, Bill, if that's what you need to get on. If anybody else wants one, just let me know. I do need to learn how to tell people how to get on screen if they want to. But yeah, I try one year we planted about 200 orange trees. Uh, and right now, I think the last count, 80 of those are over 10 feet tall. So, uh, yeah, we're trying to just do what we can to, you know, to replenish those trees. If you guys go to... Uh, so like Google satellite and you look up legacy farms, coffee, Sarah Bueno, it'll bring you up to the farm. And most of the time when you're driving down the road in Honduras, you can, the coffee farms stand out just because it's these beautiful rows of, you know, green plants. When you look at our farm from the satellite, you can barely tell any defined rows. The last farm, I, the last place I planted was about three acres. And so it hasn't got covered up with the shade yet, but, uh, you know, the majority of our farm is shade grown. And so you can barely, uh, you can barely see it. Have you got two things going, Bill? I've got, uh, there's a feedback. Jerry, can you hear the feedback? No, I'm not hearing it. Okay. Then don't worry about it. It's just me. Generally, when I hear voices, it's different people, not just me. So, can you hear me though? So, oh yeah, I'm, um, is the the project building secure from the any potential landslide risk? Yeah, I think we're good on that. You know, we built that big retaining wall, uh, and so what I've got to do is between the retaining wall, you know, there's like a like I, I think it's like 19 feet tall. We built that retaining wall. I have to cap that off. But that we're going to build, that'll sort of tie that all together. And so I think that'll make it fine. Uh, then with the retaining wall, we build in probably May and June, because I think it'll take two months to build it. Uh, that will finish us up to where we don't have to worry about uh that anymore there is another section that started a mild slide uh on tuesday somebody's waving at me there uh there is a oh no i think they're waving at each other <laughs> there, nobody's waving at me <laughs> i don't have good sense i'm like she's waving at me <laughs> I thought there's I saw two little girls and then I thought it was the same little girl. And then I realized uh, they're waving at each other. Okay. That's great. <laughs> I need to pay more attention. Behidio explained to me today. I was in last night. I went up and I was working with electricity and nothing was working. 
and uh, I had electricity in the meter. I had electricity in the my box and I kept plugging wires into my breaker and nothing was working. And the video came in today and he's like, well, it's because the main wire is still outside the building. You haven't hooked it up yet. And so I was like, okay. So I just took those two little wires in and everything came on. That was after I hooked one wire up. I'm like, I wonder what the red wire is. And so I put that in a 20 out breaker and I turned it on and I could hear something blow in the other room. And it was just two wires that were uh, that for like future expansion or something. And I forgot to mark them. So uh, that's one way to figure out where the wire goes is just to electrify it and see what happened. Today, I was trying to chisel through a wall and I, I put, drove my chisel right into the main feed coming from the, uh, the, the line out in the street. And uh, so I'm lucky that that didn't get me. Yeah, one thing I was that I noticed when I was out there in January was how MacGyvered everything seemed to be. Like everything seemed to be like, like MacGyver would put together. <laughs> well, when we first started building everything, I was very meticulous. And then, I, you know, I had plans on opening up the, I was like a year away from what I thought was going to be the library opening and, and all those things. And I was getting a lot of pressure from those preacher guys, you know, you got to watch them <laughs> to start the church, you know. And so I, my, my idea was when I get, I forget what the number was, I thought it was 500. So when I get 500 books, because what we're doing is we're trying to get people that have grown up in Catholic church to switch over to Christianity, to put it, to put it easily, you know, in a, just a basic simple. Uh, and so you need a lot of trust in my mind before you do that. And so I, my idea was to, instead of opening the church first, I wanted to open the library first because I thought if we got the kids in and the kids got to know us, then we could sort of slide that over with some Bible studies. And then, um, so that's what I did. And I got a lot of resistance with that idea. And then instead of waiting, thinking one night and I was talking to Eli and you, you get this wisdom from a child that, that you, that schools us all. And Eli is like, well, you know, daddy, as he asked how many books we had, and I said, 179. And he said, well, that's a lot of books if you think about it. I'm like, yeah, but it's not many. And he said, well, if every kid read one book in one day, it would still take, if you had 179 kids, it would still take 179 days from to read all the books. I'm like, well, I didn't think about that. I just thought, you know, I got six boxes of books here. It doesn't seem like a lot of books. And so I was like, well, that what are the chances we're going to get 179 kids, first of all? And, uh, so I'm like, well, let's just open the library next Saturday. So that's what we did. And I'm like, well, you know, there's no lights in it, so I better get to that. And so we just started uh, we just started stringing lights. And for me to do the lights in the church, I don't have a ladder that will go up there. So I'm climbing a ladder that's like 16 feet tall with three guys just holding it, you know. And... Uh, and so that, uh, even as strong as they are, that got pretty sketchy there a couple times. And so once I got to the top, I'd tie a rope to the ladder and I'd tie a rope to the beam. And there's a couple times they let it get away and it just fell backwards and I just held on. Uh, but, you know, we got up there and I got, you know, f five big lights in the church. And then I went in and 
uh, the library is a little bit better. It actually, it's finished. The lighting part's finished. Uh, I've got to start doing the receptacles now. But yeah, the electrical was very sketchy there for a while. And so I'm getting getting it done better. I hope this week that I can finish it, but I'm not sure. Uh, I've got a lot of junction boxes that have to be run and stuff like that. But yeah, as things started progressing, I just had to do what I could to get something done. And so like the bathroom had a, you know, the toilet wouldn't flush. So we just put a bucket and a hose in there, you know, and you just flush it with the bucket. And and so some, uh, we finally got that one bathroom where it had a regular bathroom, the sink worked and everything in it was nice. And then we had to tear it down with a sledgehammer yesterday or day before yesterday. But yeah, and a lot of it comes from, you know, this week there might be $300 worth of donations and there might be another donation for another month. And so we're having to, you know, I, I budget the money three months out. And so once I get enough money in the account to, uh, to pay the labor for three months, Anna puts that in an envelope and then we, whatever's left, we start doing projects with it. And so, you know, that's one of the things that we have to sort of fight with, uh, with as far as just being able to, to go in and finish everything. Uh, and somebody asked me today, what, how much money will it take to finish everything? So, and Jerry, you've done more probably fundraising and stuff, but you got to be careful with that question because that person may write you a check. And if it, you say 12,000 and it's 15,000, you just hurt your, you know, you just hurt your people. So I'll spend a couple hours tomorrow in the building and just going over everything. And I'm going to go with a plan A and a plan B. Plan B obviously would be tile floors. Uh, because it's a nightmare to, for the girls to sweep the, you know, the rough concrete floor. Because she swept it today just because it was just crazy rebar everywhere and, and uh, baling wire everywhere, you know, where they cut little pieces of baling wire to rebar. And, and so uh, she spent three hours just sweeping. Now, obviously, we can't do construction in the church building if we got a tile floor. But... You know, when you went to church, we had enough chairs for the, the congregation, which, uh, uh, but when there's a big meeting or something, you know, we'll have over a hundred people in there for, and right now we're just using concrete blocks and, uh, and one by 14 boards. So, you know, it's in that budget we would put in to have pews made or to the plastic chairs. It seems like we break on an average of 1.5 a week. Uh, and they're like $9 a piece. So I, I think I would opt for church pews, you know, because I think they can be built fairly quickly and easily uh, rather than a whole, whole bunch of plastic chairs versus it's like $26 for the little uh, fold-out chairs that are the, the best quality of them. So for the children's classroom we're building, I opted, I put in my budget for the $26 chairs. Because I feel like the kids are going to be pretty rough on them, and that that scenario, I can't use the the pews because we're going to have to reconfigure it, you know, fairly often. According to if it's some North American staying in it, we're going to have to take everything out, put beds in it, and then the rest of the time it's a classroom. But for the main church, my vision is to have the church building be like it would, you know, possibly walk into your church in Oregon, and it, you know, the, have you know matching chairs and. You know, nothing fancy, but I want it to look organized and, um, 
and I would I would opt for church pews, and then at that point I'd get the ladies in there and upholstery them. Uh, upholster them. Uh, we could do that fairly easily too. Uh, we have we can get the foam padding, and the, all the women know how to sew, and so you know make them pretty nice, but do it on a you know being frugal with our money also. So I'll I'll work up two different budgets today, and uh, I'd, I'd love to have tile floor. That sounds expensive, but tile here is pretty affordable. And once we, you know, we, we'll go in there with the concrete, uh, a little slurry mix and level the floor out perfectly. That takes about four or five days. And then those guys will have the whole thing tiled in maybe four or five days. Uh, I think I tiled my entire house. It was $450 uh, labor, tile and everything. And so... Hey, actually, for people that want to send you guys money, what's a, do you have a preferred method? And I know on your website you have a donate button, but you also have a mailing address. And uh, I imagine with the donate button, there's there's fees attached to that, but you get it quicker. So I was just curious what you would prefer. Uh, a lot of people, especially the older people, will mail us a check, and that's uh... – you can Google us, but it's 2214 Arapahoe Road, Mound Ridge, Kansas, 67107. Uh, but then uh, Legacy Farms, no, I mean, lfmissions.org. Uh, there's a, you know, you can Venmo, it'll, uh, that, uh, that website will take pretty much any donation, any way you want to send it. Uh, the main thing with the donating online, you lose a little bit to fees and stuff. You never get your whole hundred dollars out of a hundred dollar donation. Uh, and we're trying to work on ways to get around that. I, I know there are ways, but we're not getting, you know, once we start getting some major donations in, you know, we might rethink how we do it. But, uh, Charlene's saying she's roasting. So you'll have to let us know what you're roasting tonight. Uh, I'm going to go out later tonight and roast my Indian India double A Poopa Lang Estate Robusta. I'm going to roast that tonight before I go back to work. But uh, wiring. But yeah, those are the, the main two ways. <clears throat> and uh, speed is not a, not a big issue. Uh, you know, we sort of bank up once we have enough money for a project, then we do it. Uh, but the, the, getting a check, uh, there's no fees involved in a check. And so that would always be my preferred way. But if anybody also, if anybody knows how we could set up, because it is a 50, uh, what is it? 503s, 501, something like that. Yeah, 501c3. 501c3. So it's all tax deductible. So there probably is a way that we can take credit cards and not have to pay a fee on it. But we'll, we'll I'll get that figured out. And that's... That's my fault for not knowing that already. We've been doing this over a year, so I need to get my uh, get my head in the game. Well, I was just—I guess I was just wondering if um, if there is there a need for urgent money right now because of the landslide stuff, or is it fine to send a check? Like, or would you prefer people do the donate button? No, you could send a check because I mean, to be completely honest, we borrowed the money to come up here and do this project, and so the money would this. For the next couple of thousand dollars, uh, it would stay in the states, paying off that loan. Uh, now is a bad time for us to borrow money because coming into the harvest um, is when we're going to have to have a lot of money, 
Uh, we're actually importing some people from Nicaragua this year, uh, hope, trying to get them to live on the farm for two months while we pick because the pickers, there's caravans passing constantly. A couple of them went by today uh, coming to the United States. And so people are leaving like crazy. So we're, we're desperately trying to find people and it's a struggle every day. So when it comes harvest time, I don't, you know, this is going to be our hardest year for harvesting. But yeah, the, send a check or anything. Uh, if you're going to mail a check, send me an email or something. It, uh, it would definitely be a relief, uh, you know, if we know. And then that'll, uh, when we get that email, we'll go ahead and uh, get you a donation letter set up and stuff. But no, we appreciate anything and there's no, no amount too large or too small. Um, Miguel's house, we're going to temporarily do it tomorrow and that's cost like 20 bucks. You know, some things are fairly cheap to help somebody. Um, but we're hoping that we have enough building materials left over that we can go ahead and finish his wall and all out with what we just have left over. Uh, and I'm pretty sure, uh, I'm 99% sure we'll be able to do everything without, you know, spending any more money. But, uh, you know, here we've got good credit at the construction company. And so I just called them up and said, told them what we needed and they had everything on site. So when I get back to the States next week, I'll find out what the, <clears throat> what the reality of it all was. But Julia went ahead and sent uh, a couple thousand dollars just to make sure that uh, we had some of what we needed for the things that we can't get charged for, you know. But, uh, but uh, yeah, Herbert's yeah, always, always good, good about letting us just charge stuff and then we settle up at the end of the month. And I think, uh, Jerry, you went with us to the big coffee meal. Yeah. And that's, yeah. That's, 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 that's Herbert. Yeah, that was a, a neat day. It was really cool to see that. Yeah, and anybody that's interested in coffee, if you ever go to a, a coffee-producing country, you ought to find a meal to go by. Hey, I'm liking my microphone, Bill. One of the first – man, we had – well, Bill and I have actually well, met. We both actually drove met. to Kansas City and met. Kansas City and met. But, before but before we even knew we each, other, each other, you sent me this sent and me something this. else. I forgot what. Yeah, the video, the video thing. And uh, I was like, well, that's pretty cool. <laughs> but I like it, man. It's the coolest microphone. It's like a little, a little ball. No, I love it, man. But now I've got uh, Third Days Again sent me a couple things. Uh, I got my headset from Third Days Again. Uh, I got my little circle light from Walmart. I had to pay them. And then my mic comes from Bill. So I don't have to haul. I'm always worried that somebody's going to steal something out of my bag, thinking that this stuff's super expensive, you know. So I... Uh, I, I'm able to leave it all here and I don't have to worry about what I pack. Um, and I got here this week and I unpacked and I got ready to set up the podcast and I'm like, ah, I forgot to bring my microphone. And then I looked over at the table and there it was sitting. But no, it's, uh, we couldn't do any of what we're doing with, uh, without, you know, guys like you that are helping and stuff and, and, uh, and I'm seeing some of the people on here that I know they've sent, you know, sent money in and, and helped out. Uh, 
there's a guy, there's a couple guys that set up, uh, uh, like, a don't, a, a monthly thing, you know, I think Brian gives, I'm not going to say how much, cause I might get it right. I'd hate to be too low, but he, he, he gives every month. And so I forget what day it is, but he sends something in all the time. Uh, and then third day again, uh, which is Jose. He said he's he wanting said to set up something, set up something and we're going to try to help out McGill. I found a house is for sale that I'd like to buy and just, and have it to be a temporary emergency house for people. Um, and so right now, you know, we could put McGill in that. So I'm going to go talk to them. I, they were supposed to come over tonight and they didn't for whatever reason. But, um, and they're wanting to sell their little house that they have. And it's an Adobe house, but we can do a lot with an Adobe house. You can go in and finish up. It'll look just like a concrete house. We drive little quarter inch pieces of, um, it's like rebar, but it's slick. I just cut four inch pieces and we dry, uh, and I'll sharpen it and we drive it in. Uh, and so when you cover it with concrete, it sticks to that in some of the trickier places. And so in the center of the wall, I want to have a, a group of those, or you can use nails, either one. But, uh, and then when we do that, cover that up with concrete, it'll look just like a concrete house. And then we'll frame, you know, you can frame the hole up, put an actual, actual window, window in it and stuff. And stuff. So it's, uh, so it's uh, it, it'd be it'd nice be to have nice a house that house people could use every once in a while. Because one of the guys was staying in the project a lot and found out him and his wife were having some trouble and she kicked him out for a couple of days. And so he just said, well, I'll just come. That was before we had a door on the coffee shop. And I noticed in there one day there was a hammock and some a pile of clothes. And I started asking around and they're like, oh, such and such wife is mad. His wife is mad. So she told him to get out for a couple of days. And so he just decided he'd come stay at my place. Which is fine. I didn't even know about it. But once I found he was there, you know, I could go up and we could eat supper or something together and hang out. Because at three o'clock when the workers leave, I'm just here by myself, you know. I don't know if he's going to wave or not. Are you going to wave at it? Will you wave at us, Patrick? I don't know. He's getting kind of tired. Hey, um... So uh, you still good for a visit this summer from our oh, yeah. church? Okay. Oh, yeah. We're looking forward to it. Just whenever you guys uh, come up with a date. Okay. Uh, we'll I've got a, we'll I've got that a group that's – they're wanting to come up for a week in July, but they haven't figured out what, what dates they're looking at exactly. But, okay. Uh, All but right. It's not a big, big deal to have both you guys here at the same time. And um, we just need to sort of figure out what, what all y'all want to do while you're here. Uh, and I've. Uh, Sounds like we might be planting trees. <laughs> <laughs> might be planting trees. But I do want us to put a day in to go to Sigua because I think it would be uh, Eli and I went uh, back in June. We went to the caves and, and it was pretty fun. Uh, you can still you can do a campfire and bring your own hot dogs, and there's a, a couple of places where you can have a little campfire and roast your own hot dogs and marshmallows. So go, you're not allowed to stay in the caves more than two hours, and then you have to come out for a while, and then you can go back in. 
because the oxygen uh, uh, content is so low in certain parts of it. And then, uh, and so, yeah, just come out. But the day we were there, there wasn't anybody in there and they didn't tell us about it. And so uh, Eli and I stayed in there like three hours. We set up a podcast in the cave and then we brought a picnic in there. And so we had, Eli likes to do things first. So we did the first picnic in a cave. We did the first podcast in a cave and we did the first, uh, drank the first Legacy Farms coffee in a cave. So, uh, but we were in there at least three hours. And then I got to really, we were sitting there eating and I got to reading one of these signs and it said the oxygen was 25%. And I got thinking, man, that's not really much, you know, <laughs> that's not much at all if you think about it. Uh, and they said, the guy said, oh, it won't hurt you unless you're down there for a long time. And I said, well, what's a long time? And he said, two hours. I said, well, we were in there three. So maybe that's what's wrong with me. <laughs> well, uh, actually, I think I'm going to have to bounce instead of help my my wife be a grandpa, and be a grandparent, and get these kids settled. But it's good talking to you and getting an update about what's happening out at the farm, especially with that landslide. And uh, glad glad to hear that everything's going pretty well as far as uh, you getting the you know, getting abatement for all that happening. Well, and I was, I, I was thinking about you today. I started doing a little list of uh, what that, that I'll send you guys and it'll give a, uh, it's got about 15 or 20 uh, um, uh, phrases that you ought to try to brush up on before you come. Uh, some do's and don'ts, what to bring and what not to bring. You know, there's a couple of people brought big bottles of shampoo with them, you know. Yeah. So, you know, right. I'll, I'll get that finished as quick as I can. All right. Well, I'll try to get a date to you soon. And I'm, I'm going to go ahead and uh, leave the chat here. It's good talking to you guys. All right. Thanks. Listen, I don't want to say something about your coffee here, Ashley, but I'm noticing that people who drink it outside of you are all bald. <laughs> it does. It does. Well, I don't know, though. See, if I tilt, let me tilt a little more. I don't know what's going on there. I'm going to have to make that call whether I'm just going ahead and intentionally, you know, just shave it all off or what. Bahidio is going to cut my hair tomorrow. Well, I just shaved. Well, I haven't shaved in a couple of weeks, so I shaved tonight. Um, but yeah, I've got a. Uh, I'm sort of getting to that point. But Bahidio does this sort of fade kind of thing. He calls it the Espanol, and so he's going to give me a haircut. It's a two dollar haircut, so he's right. going to give me a two dollar haircut tomorrow. So I'll. Uh, but yeah, one of these days, I've thought of a couple times about it. But I sort of got a, a big knot up here. I had a wreck when I was a kid. And so mm -hmm. I don't know if it broke something or what, but I got this big old chunk sort of sticking out on the top. So I'm not sure what it'll look like. Sure look like. So, so I might shave I might one time. Shave. I, might shave I might shave when I come up for, come harvest, up for harvest and just see what it looks, like, looks and like. And then I'll have to wear like a, like a stocking like cap all cap through harvest, harvest anyway. anyway. So, it, so if it looks real bad, bad, then I can hide it. 
Yeah, well, mine was leaving me, so I'll just help you out, help you out, take it off. <laughs> Kept doing it. Kept doing it. But uh, there's a couple guys in our um, our, our niece class in Taekwondo that uh, they've shaved and all. So uh, I just got to figure out how pretty I'll be without hair. I could be rich if I could figure out how to take the stuff that's growing on our back and make it grow up on our head. I don't have any problem with that. I don't have that issue. <laughs> well, how's everything going, Andrew? Oh, it's going good. How's everything going, Andrew? Oh, it's going good. Well, that's good. Now, what is your day job? Or is your day I'm job? I'm a worship coffee? pastor at my church. That's, that's my full-time job. All right, say that again. Uh, I'm the worship pastor at our church. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Well, Jerry, that was on a minute, uh, a few, uh, just a minute ago, he's the pastor. Uh, I forget what the name of the town is, but he's in Oregon. Okay. And he came out last year. Yeah, he came out last year and did like an exploratory trip. His uh, church is wanting to take on some kind of a foreign mission, so he came okay. up and. Uh, just sort of, uh, they hung out for a couple of days and, uh, they wanted to get out and see some stuff, which is fun to do. And we were pretty slow. So we, uh, we went out to eat at every restaurant we could find, you know, whenever we could, they were only here about four or five days. So okay. we hit a few restaurants and, uh, went to a couple of the open malls, you know, where the, some of them have, it's sort of a big open spot. You can go in and buy your vegetables, pick up a cell phone, find a jacket, a pair of shoes, you know, just a little bit of everything. And it's just the Saturday mall is open for like 12 hours. And it's just where all the working people go to get their groceries for the week. Yeah. So we had a pretty good time. Uh, and we went to it, took them to a souvenir shop so they could buy a bunch of crap, said Honduras on it. And because uh, <laughs> <laughs> what would a trip be without that? And so, no, I got tons of stuff at home. It got Honduras written all over it. But um <laughs> Now we've, uh, I got a laser thing. We're going to start doing some stuff that says legacy farms, but we might start doing some Honduras stuff too, you know, but I haven't, haven't used it yet. So we'll, we'll figure out if I'm smart enough to use it. Not too bad. I'm not a real tech guy. Oh, then it might be bad. No, I've been blessed with friends that are tech savvy. And so I've, I've been broken down a time or two on my artisan program. Uh, and I am sort of backwards, I guess, because it still amazes me that you can get on your computer and then jump into my computer and I'm watching you run my little mouse and and uh, my friend David set up my, deleted my artisan program and then reset up the entire thing again to get my sample roaster going uh, during sample season, you know, uh, here on the farm, it's fairly important. I'll tell you what, when you but, get to Santiago again, you let him know that his coffee is almost gone. Oh, really? Oh, really? Yeah, I think I'm down to less than three, about probably less than four pounds of it left. Every time I roast it up, it's gone out the door. So He's been helping me all week, so I've, uh, I enjoy him. He's a very... He's a pretty quiet guy, smiles a lot. 
but I'll try to get some video tomorrow. I'm not sure where Santos has him, but I think he's working with me tomorrow. No, he's not. He's in Pavis because he's got his kids working. And he wanted to work with his kids tomorrow. But he'll be back on Friday and Saturday. But I've got a hat for him. So I'll, uh, I'm going to take pictures. I've got a hat for him and Pedro. And so I'll give them their hats. And uh, uh, one of our buyers or our customers that buys our coffee, they gave me a bunch of hats for the guys. So we'll give them those this week and take their pictures and stuff. And I'm going to try to get to San Diego's house for you, Bill, and get a picture of them and stuff. We might have to just wait till next year's harvest. Well, what, what I do the first year is I don't buy a lot of coffee. So the coffee that I got from San Diego was my test lot. Uh, I, plan, I, got, I got him, I think, about 1,500 plants about three years ago. And during the dry season, the farmer next door was burning his crop off and it went into San Diego's field and pretty much wiped it out because San Diego hadn't cut. And so he had a bunch of dry grass in it. So he lost a lot of those plants. So this year I just bought a couple hundred pounds of his coffee cherry. So next year we'll buy his entire crop. And so we'll, uh, we'll have, all, hopefully have all you need. And hopefully it'll be 87 again. I tell you what, I mean, everybody who's listening, if you haven't tried, and I'm going to just shameless plug for, for Legacy Farms, but I sent you a message earlier this week, and I meant every every word of it in there, that time and time again, all the other different beans I've roasted has not anywhere near the quality that I get from here. Bar none. I, I, mean, I kid you not. I, it's... Everybody, even from our mutual friend down there near you, um, another contact I've had in Georgia, everywhere. I, I nowhere is anywhere near good quality as what your beans are. Well, I appreciate you saying that. The the women really work hard. At, it seems like they take a lot of pride in uh, in in not getting a recount or a resort uh, while they're doing it, and uh, so they do a really good job. And they they it seems like they have fun doing it. So yeah, that uh, the girls make a big difference. Quaker count wise, I think I might have on average maybe one to two a pound, maybe, maybe. I mean, I'm talking like not all the time, maybe. And I can't say all that's yours. Some of that might be Santiago's and and uh, Melvin's too. I'm it, it should it shouldn't matter. But this year we've had more Quakers than we have the last three or four years. And I'm not sure why. I'm building a bed, uh, that, that a sorting bed. It, it'll have three levels with three different size sorting beds on it. And I'm adding an air pressure thing on it. So hopefully we can blow a lot of those Quakers out. But it, it won't be in this year's. I won't get it done this year. I didn't get it done last year either. So it's, it's a work in progress, but yeah, it seems like, you know, cause I roast quite a bit of it too. And so I've noticed uh, what I, I focus my three minutes when my coffee's in the cooling tray to just picking them out. And so I've noticed 
I'd probably say it's it's at least one to one and a half per pound because I usually dump 14 pounds every time. No, uh, I dump 20 pounds every time. And so, yeah, I've noticed quite a bit more Quakers in it. I need to start weighing it because I keep good records on how much goes in, how much comes out. Uh, and I keep up with how, how long it takes to roast so many pounds and how much gas I use and stuff like that. So I need to start uh, doing a Quaker count because that'd be good feedback for the ladies. I didn't know Quakers. I know what they are fundamentally, but are they lighter in weight too? Is it just like, yeah, what's the, there's nothing in there much, I guess, but it's a bad flavored coffee. So one Quaker will ruin 40 good beans. So like a Quaker is, uh, I think it's a one-to-one defect where a conch or, uh, or what they, in English, it would be like a shell. That's a 10 to one defect. Uh, insect damage, I think is also, a, it's either five to one or 10 to one. Because the insect damage, as long as there's not like an insect, most of the insect damage is when she bores a hole in there and lays her eggs, they eat the inside out and then they leave. And so it doesn't really affect the flavor that much. So it's, it's five of those count as one defect. And that's too, that's a question that, uh, that I don't know if we've ever been asked before. Um, about defects, and I need to I need to write that down for next week's program. I'll do a little research on it. But there's uh, people don't realize if we try to sort for what I call a near zero defect. I want everything out of there that's that's not a perfect bean, and there's no way that you can do that for these ladies doing hundred thousand beans a day. But uh, the goal would be to have none in there. But some of them, like the shells, are a full bean. But it's actually one, one, it's broken into two parts. And when you start roasting it, one part swells faster than the other. And the small inside piece comes out and burns up or goes out with the chafe. And then what you're left is that shell. So when they're sorting that by hand, they have to uh, physically see that there's a second piece to that bean and they pull it out. If they, if the beans facing face down, then they're not going to see it. But I think a lot of people think that if, uh, if, if they get a bean and it says two defects per pound, that could be 20 beans per pound. And a lot of people don't understand how some of those defects, how little it affects the flavor and how some of them really affects the flavor. But for example, around eight to 900 beans are in a pound. And so if one Quaker will mess up 40 good beans and you have two Quakers or one Quaker in 800 or 900 beans, it's not going to affect it that much. But if you have something like that uh, M2N lot, where you've got like a mango or something really fancy flavor, a unique flavor in that, and you have a couple of Quakers in there, it could really throw a wrench in the cog on, you know, it could really uh, 
taint that flavor a little bit. So the Quakers are something that I, that I really want out, you know, if at all possible. That would, that's a primary bean. Uh, the black beans really mess up the flavor, but they're so easy to see. And so they get picked out really easily. And I've had the women pick each one of these defects out and I've roasted it. And so my, when I'm roasting, I don't change things up. On my sample roaster, I do 12 ounces and generally it's 12.07 or 12.02. You know, I get, I, I do exact numbers. And so I'll put 12 ounces in. I want to get 10.3 to 10.5 ounces out. And that's my, the roast level that I want to roast everything to, to sample. And so when I started really looking more at the defects, um, I had them pull me out and it took them a couple of weeks, but pull me out 12 ounces of every defect. And I roasted them and we drank them. The Quakers, you don't even have to drink it. You can smell it. You can, you're like, you know, there's some things you just, no, I'm not going to, you know. And so that was one of those things. And I'll eat and drink most anything, you know, as snake, octopus, you know, there's, I've had some sketchy stuff that I'd eat and I'll drink any kind of drink they come up with here. You know, she's like, you want some maricua? And I'm like, what the heck? Yeah. And it turned out it was passion fruit, but you know, I'll, I'll try it, you know. But when we started, we roasted the Quakers, they just had an off smell to them. Uh, but then those conches, I couldn't tell any difference at all. And the conches, the little shell where, have you guys noticed sometimes you get just a shell, there's nothing in it. Uh, and in Spanish, that's conch. Uh, in English, I'm not sure what they call it. I just call it a shell because that's what it means. But they might call it something else on the defect sheet. But the next podcast, I, I'll do a couple recorded ones this week. I'll, uh, I'll try to go. Uh, I've got a big picture of all the defects and stuff. Uh, and some of them are stupid. I mean, one of them's got a picture of nails and rocks. You know, well, obviously those are defects. And, uh, but um, the, there's some beans that are, uh, this, the coloration is just off a little bit. And we had one that was a bluish hue to it. And, I, and, I, and I'm tone blind, but I noticed, I said, this color looks different. And come to find out, that's a desirable color. And then that turned out to be my Bourbon, and it was 89.25. So it just had a bluish tint to the, to the bean. So I don't know what that means, but it just worked. It was a, it's a better bean. So, and I'm learning something all the time with this stuff, you know. I, I watched somebody. I've, I'm in love with my aerial press. Man, I've played with that thing. I even Man, brought I my little, my thing. second filter to Honduras with me. I didn't want to bring my aerial press. I was afraid it might get broken. So I'm using my air press. It's so generic. It doesn't so say generic. anything it doesn't on say it. Anything. But it still works okay. But some guy today was talking about how he cut filters out for his aerial press. He would hand cut a regular filter, and then he took the aerial press cap, and then he reboard the holes, and then he did. Uh, he had a regular one. 
that he would put upside down and pour the water through it so that it dispersed the water as it hit the coffee. And then the one with the big bore, he put his new filter in it, and then that's what he pressed through. And on a scale of 1 to 10 on your grinder, he went with like a number 6.5 to 7 on his grind. And so he just threw all the rules out the window and, and changed everything. And so I haven't had, uh, I've tried to remember it, but I'm going to have to, uh, I'm going to have to try to redo some of it. I'm getting some feedback. I think it might be my headset. No, it's not. I'm not sure what it is. All right. Can you guys still hear me? Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting, I don't know. I might have a delay. I didn't put my little cat cable, you know, directly into the laptop. So I may have a, a little bit of a delay. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm watching my mouth. Yeah. My mouth quits moving before the word stops. <laughs> Are you watching the stream too, along with it, like on Facebook or someplace? I didn't think I was, but you know what? Let me, I'm going to log out of Facebook and we'll, it's so much easier just to blame you. <laughs> yeah, I get that all the time. Sorry. Well, your wife told me just anytime there's a problem, blame Bill. No, I turned everything off and still doing it. I think a lot of times my cell phone does that here. Oh, well, so everybody's doing pretty good. Your um, now, Andrew, do you sell your coffee? Yes, I do. Have you got Facebook page or a website or? I do have a website. I haven't set up Facebook yet. Well, you're welcome to say your page or anything like that or any contact information. How do you sell your coffee? Uh, I haven't really done a whole lot online. Most of it's just been in person. Uh, just friends and family uh, and friends of theirs that contact me they had like four or so. I think that's about the same as Bill's doing. Yeah, I mean, mine's mine's mostly my employer at work. Mind you, I mean, there's there's like, you know, 2,000 of us in the same building. So I've got to, I figure if I get everybody on board with my coffee in the building, I'd be doing okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so I don't really need to branch out. I've shipped maybe two orders around the state of Missouri. Other than that, everything else has been in the same building I work in. So. Well, yeah, I'm going to send you some samples months. next week. And Andrew, if you want some samples, you can figure out how to put your label over mine. I did an event a, a couple weeks ago, and I've got a bunch of samples left over from it. So I'd be happy to put a, fill a box full of samples, and you figure out how to cover up my label. Okay, or I'll just drink it. <laughs> So this is what's going to happen. You're, you're going to send us those samples. Those samples are going to be awesomely roasted. And then everybody's going to expect all of ours to be exactly the same. <laughs> exactly. Well, I'm, I'm going to say it on, on the podcast. I'm not the best roaster in the world. But I might be able to roast Honduran coffee better than a lot of people could. 
But as far as being well-rounded roasters, both you guys have roasted way more countries than I have. You know, I've, I've got a profile that I don't even use the written profile anymore. I've, I've got maybe six profiles that I use. And the three main ones are if it's washed honey or natural. And then I'll change that up if it's the Marciessa or Perinema. But yeah, I, uh, and my machine is an artisan machine. So I don't have a lot of fancy air control or anything like that. So it's sight and smell. I think I may have talked over Bill. No, 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 you're good. No, you're fine. I was just asking Andrew what he roasted on. Oh, uh, I have a Buckeye 3.5. Okay. Uh, I'd used the, the fresh roast or the SR 800 for a while and upgraded from that. You still have it sitting around? Do you need to get rid of it? Yeah, I still have it sitting around. <laughs> no, I have a. I, I, that's what I use is the SR800, and I've got a B-more, and I'm going to get back into the B-more because I found a just recent um, interview with the 2018, I think it was a 2018 Roaster World Champion or something, and mm -hmm. he did it on a B-more. Oh, wow. He shared his recipes like down to what he changes, what preset he uses, what minute he changes stuff on, everything. So I thought, why not give it a shot and see if I can come up with something? Because I've seen like I can never catch like cracks are hard to hear, stuff's hard to see through the door. I mean, yeah. Everything. It's just so bad. That's why I like the fresh roast is I can see everything. And yeah. Honestly, and you can correct me, Andrew, since you did it for a long time, and I've I've been doing it for like oh geez, I don't know how long has it been, Ashley? Something like five six months now or something. I've been roasting on it. Uh, maybe not. And then you switched over to the extension tube. Yeah. So that's got to be a little more of a learning curve. But uh, I don't change my profile like at all. Like it's it's like 12 minutes. At nine and a half, I do this. At six minutes and a half, I do this. At four, I do this. And then I run it out to the end. Every single time. Like, it doesn't matter if it's honey, natural, whatever. It's all the same. So I'm kind of making it sound like I... Like, I know what I'm doing, and everybody loves it so much. I'm like, yeah, I really don't change anything. I just really do a 12-minute process. That's all I do. So. I would change it occasionally, but it wouldn't be, like, every time for something. But then I'll start also start using that, uh, the Razzo tube. Uh, and so, I, I mean, I like that one a lot. Uh, and I got really good results with it. You're going to have to teach me what I'm doing wrong then. I guess. Oh, you didn't like yours? Well, I got mine. I got no. I've got an older. I mean, I don't know what version you've got. I think I've got the four or something. Yeah, I had the, the. It's got the four and the five around it. So I've got the one with the bevel glass, not with the the probe hole or anything like that. Just the the standard one. And every single time I use it, because I've got the factory one and it, and every time I use it, for some reason, I've got like three or four or five, six beans that just burn to a crisp to the bottom and won't move. Hmm. It blocks like five or six holes along the bottom of it. So I just put it aside and went back to the factory one and get consistent every single time. With it. So I was like, all right, it doesn't matter. I won't use it then. So that's fine. <laughs> yeah, whatever works good. <laughs> Go for it. Ashley, who are you texting? No, I'm, I'm keep, I keep getting a... Uh, a movement notice over by the corner of the house. Oh. It's probably just goes, mind your own, Bill. 
No, I love the little swan system. But uh, somehow something got changed up. Norm, uh, I only have the the motion sensor set up inside the house and inside the cupping lab. And so I know that from 7 o'clock in the morning till 3, Anna comes in the house once a day and empties the uh, dehumidifier. So that alarm will go off once a day. And then uh, the, the one in the cupping lab has got a hose running out the wall. So she very seldom goes in there. And so the rest of them are outside. So there's people everywhere. So none of those are set up. But something just changed up on this uh, where the outside of thing keeps sending me a movement, a motion detector or something. So it could just be the dog walking by or banana tree blowing. I don't think the government's coming to get me yet, <laughs> but they're watching. <laughs> I don't, I don't think they care here. <laughs> if they want you, they're just gonna come and get you and shoot you or whatever they want to do. So you're making too much money. I don't know that I'm making them any yet. So <laughs> y'all have to Google Berta. They came and got hers over in the next town. So they are. That'd be something fun for you to Google. Just Berta. I think it's B-E-R-T-A. She was a... That some people came into her house one night and stormed it and uh, it killed almost everybody in the house. There was one guy from Mexico, a, a diplomat. They they snuck him to the Mexican embassy, and I think they flew him out in a helicopter and got him out of the country. <laughs> but he got shot a few times. But I think everybody else died. But now that president is actually in prison in New York. <laughs> so, yeah. It's a, it's a crazy world. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, I hope you guys can come out and see us sometime. Tomorrow night, I'm, tomorrow night, I'm going to my favorite little restaurant. Uh, I'm going to get a nafri and I'll get the Mexican uh, nacho plate. And I, sometimes I'll order a, a second meal with that. To take home with take me. Home with me. <laughs> so, so, so I, I just gotta make sure I understand this right. So, even in Honduras, they serve Mexican food. We're uh, there's a lady here that that worked in the states at a Mexican restaurant, and when she came back, she started Taco La Luna, and it's a Mexican. They have Mexican tacos, but we're on the Salvadoran border, so we have pupusas. So there's three or four pupusa restaurants. Uh, there's a pupuseria right up the road, about a mile from here. But in Marcala, there's a couple of them because we're near what's called the Frontera Ilegal. And so it's the illegal border crossing from Salvador into Honduras. So on Sundays and Saturdays, a lot of those guys come across the border just to do their shopping. So there's a couple of businesses, I mean, uh, people that just change money because El Salvador uses the dollar. 
And then here's the Lempira. So they'll have to change their dollars into Lempiras. And so they can go shopping. And then they cross back over. So, uh, so we've got a couple good uh, pupusa restaurants. And pupusas are really good. Churches over on Sunday is the Mexican restaurants all like full like it is here in America. Pretty much, yeah. Pretty much, yeah. But then Friday night and Saturday night, Saturday of course, they serve liquor, they serve so they're full then. Well, yeah. So that's why I'll go. I'll go eat tomorrow night, and then um, maybe Sunday. It's not a lot of fun to go eat by yourself. <laughs> Doesn't sound like you're by yourself, but. Well, I got a couple of buddies that um that I'll meet in Maracala. We were going to meet tonight, and I had some people that were going to come over and talk to me about a house, and they uh they didn't show. So I'll uh I'll call them, and maybe tomorrow night we'll meet up and just hang out at the. There's a big uh, park in the center of town, so we'll just go hang out there and eat at a street vendor or something. Should be pretty fine. And they drink a lot. So it's fun to watch them. I went by their house one morning at 1030. He comes walking out with a beer in his hand. And either he hadn't stopped from the night before or he got started early that morning. But they're like uh, just enjoying life, you know. They have hair. Maybe we need to start drinking. Yeah, but they definitely have, they definitely have hair. They're two young guys. They're about six one. So they're very unusual for for Honduran. One, uh, they're twins. So one of them went to uh, the United States, and the other went to France. They were both there illegally after a point. And so they just stayed there for a couple so years. So couple years. one of them, they, one and their their family came here from Germany. Because in Kansas, a lot of Germans came to Kansas back in the late 1800s. And so his grandfather came here in the late 1800s. And he did some mechanized machinery for the coffee industry. And they made a lot of money. And so now the great, great, great grandkids are still blowing through that money. So they, uh, so but that one guy that speaks one guy German, speaks Spanish, German, French, French, and English. It sounds like if you take over some alcohol, you might get a donation for your retaining wall. Well, they're at about the they're end of the, the end blowing of through, the through the money. I think they've, they've sold most of their farms. What'd you say, Bill? I said you might have some employees then soon. Is what you're saying? <laughs> you well, I I've tried to get them to come a couple of times, but they're just not. Uh, they're wanting to like trying to do some kind of a business, but they hadn't found anything yet. So, but yeah, they have a car. They they drive places, but they, you know, they they still uh, don't work regular jobs. They have little coffee farms, a couple acres each. But maybe one day we'll we'll buy their coffee or something. I'm just making faces, Andrea, and my and my daughter sitting here. <laughs> so, you know, I had a feeling. I'm sitting here going. It's having some kind of fit. I, I got three of them. I, I feel you. 
<laughs> well, my boys are back home, and they're not little anymore. This one, if I throw the camera around and she sees herself again, she'll try to steal the show again. So that's why she's doing that. Well, that's all right. That's all She'd right. probably she boost probably our ratings. When she got when off she camera, got like, camera six like six people six left. People left. <laughs> 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 oh, My five-year-old trying to do the same thing. It was pretty it funny was when the two girls were waving at each other earlier, though. Kept saying, "Wave! Are you waving? Are you waving?" She just kept looking in the camera. Yeah. Do you want to wave? You want to tell us? Say hi. She's having a good time. Now four graham crackers. Yeah. So, um, Samantha is now liking coffee. By the way. Good deal. Good deal. My 13-year-old, she's all excited about it. Although she she was, she was, said she had to put a little bit of creamer in it the other day, and she felt like she was letting the family down. She was. She was, she was yes. <laughs> Sugar's a dirty word in our house. So. <laughs> yeah, I tried to get it. I can't get nobody in my house to drink it. Yeah. I tried to get um, let you know that at my event the other day, um, well, not my event, what I, I sold some of your tea or gave some of your tea to a lady who has heartburn issues. You and I had talked about it. Remember I said she had some soy problems? On yeah. She yeah. couldn't figure out why, but every time she drinks a certain over-the-counter brand of coffee, anything like that, she always has stomach issues because of, they said it's soy allergy. Which I don't know why there'd be soy in coffee, but it's only when she drinks over the counter stuff. I sent her some of yours, and so far, nothing. No problems whatsoever. The tea, no heartburn, no nothing. She's falling like head over heels for this stuff. So, so it might be, might be a yay on that behalf because I, I can't tell you. I talked to about four people at that event at my work that said, oh, I can't drink coffee because of X, Y, or Z. And I keep saying, you're the person I want to talk to. <laughs> You're the person I want to get something in your hand, and you tell me if you still can't do it. So, a couple of our, especially I think the the canal washed coffees are really low acid. Yeah. I started running low of coffee. I actually brought uh, Bahidio a bag of coffee, but it ain't gonna happen because I already opened it up and been drinking it. But. His coffee is, I wanted to be nice to him, but then also didn't want to run out of coffee. So I'll give him a hat. I think all those people that work for you don't want you to run out of coffee either. We've seen it. I'm sure they don't. I'm sure they're seriously worried about that. I finally got the dental chair wired up today to where, you know, it would like go up and down, back and forth. And so I got my thing of coffee. And I got me a little bit of my bread that I like. And so I just sat in the dental chair and drank me some coffee. So, but yeah, they, uh, I mean, that's, so, that's a very traditional thing they do in Honduras. Some of them will drink coffee during their breakfast break. But when they get home in the afternoon, they're going to take a shower. 
and then they're gonna their wife will bring them some coffee and they'll sit and drink coffee with a couple of teaspoons of sugar in it very few of them are going to have a refrigerator where they would have milk or something but they're they enjoy that cup of coffee and it's it's very traditional you go to somebody's house like the dwyers i was telling you about we went to their house and my son jonathan does not drink coffee but he is a very good boy and so they came over and they had a little tray they had a big old fat cup of coffee on it and he just started drinking he's i think i'm sure glad, glad there's sugar in it and i said don't drink it too fast or they'll bring you more and sure enough, about 10 minutes later, she shows up with another cup of coffee. And so I said, well, just you can pour the second one out when nobody's looking. But I helped him drink the first one, but he did pretty good about drinking it. The problem is, is what what they made the coffee with. It's, it's the water I worry about more than anything. But there's no diet program that'll be uh, a little bit of bad water. Over the next three days, man, you are losing weight. So is that the real reason the bathroom fell off the mountain? That could have been. Because <laughs> literally, it fell into the septic tank. So, when we broke it apart, but we had to put, we had to bust open the top of the septic tank, and we got a hole big enough. So we threw all the pieces of the bathroom into the septic tank so that, you know, and then beat it all down to where we had a solid footing. And so now we're pouring a retaining wall over the top of that. So I didn't want it to cave in later. But it'll work out. That line of jokes right there just... My wife giggle on the other side. <laughs> yeah, I, I called a preacher the other day, and I said, "If you got some time, I said I need to talk to you about something." And he's, he's a good friend of mine, and he just said, "Man, I have the run so bad. You have to, you have to give me the rest of the day to just to get my get everything leveled out. I'll call you tomorrow." I said, "Okay." So, speaking of the runs, can I talk to you about the erosion that's happening? Yeah. <laughs> well, well, he lives here, so yeah. He, he... <laughs> oh, man. Well, that's where that podcast just went downhill. You remember that one? Was... I've had a few podcasts where this just went completely south. This is going to be one I've made. How many of them have I been on? <laughs> a bunch of them, but not near enough. Well, I tell you, when I, the ones where there's a couple people on, I get more views afterwards. And it, it's way, way more than what actually watch it live. Because right now we have to work with somebody's time schedule. But when they start watching it on their own, there's so many views. But it's always more when there's a couple guys on and just you start talking about random stuff sometimes. And we usually keep it, the language pretty clean. So keep it PG-13 at least. 
And when I was a kid versus now, PG-13 was completely different. Because <laughs> I was watching that show, Reacher. Have y'all watched that? He's the ex-military guy. It's on Prime Video. And it said uh, PG-16 or something like that. And I just thought it was, you know, because this guy's like beating the crap out of people. And then all of a sudden, she just takes her shirt off. (laughs) Well, there's something you may not have seen yet, but here we go. (laughs) So it was, I mean, it was a pretty short scene, you know, before I even had time to find the remote, you know, it was a done. Mm. But we there's a guy here that's a local artist. Man, he does some of the most amazing street art. They'll go out and clean the side of a mountain for like 50, 80, 100 feet. And then they'll just paint a mural going down. And we went to his house one day. And he, he gave me some little rocks and stuff. He painted like uh, strawberry and he painted a coffee bean and ladybug. He just gave me some stuff and invited us to come by his house. And we walk in, his entire house on the outside is painted. It's a mural. Mm-hmm. And uh, he took out his windows and replaced them with round windows and then painted the entire side of the house an, uh, the face of an owl. And so he needed the big round windows for the eyes. <laughs> and so, and we went inside and all of his artwork was hanging. And so we go in and man, it's just the most amazing landscapes. You look to your left and it's really hard to draw hands and faces. And so he had these people that he had drawn and they're just so lifelike and look over to the right and it's just random stuff. And all of a sudden Jonathan puts his hands on my shoulder and he says, don't look behind you. And of course, what am I going to do? Well, behind us is the erotic art. And, and it's just as lifelike as any of the rest of the stuff we saw. I'm like, well, oh my goodness, <laughs> there you are. So we'll back out of this room. <laughs> so, but don't say don't look, you know, because that's the first thing I'm going to do. <laughs> so he got exposed at probably the age of 13. So he pretty much knew where all the parts were. <laughs> so I'd had the talk already, but seeing it up close, you know, a life size version of a woman, you know, uh, he put every two and two sort of really equaled four on that day. He, he figured out a lot of the stuff that he was wondering about, I think. So uh, there you go. But Long story short, he's a really good artist. And I, he's going to paint our library and uh, and a couple of uh, do some murals on the inside of the church building and stuff like that. Ooh. So, so yeah, he is. He's a really cool guy. He can. He taught himself to play the guitar and could pr- pretty much sing. He started playing "Stairway to Heaven," and in his broken English, he was singing "Stairway to Heaven." Most uh, John Lennon stuff, you know. He he knows that, and he's uh He's a should have been born, you know, 30, 40 years earlier. But he, he's a pretty cool guy. He's trying he's to trying live to that, live li- you know, him. that era. Yeah. yeah. So well, guys. Guys in Honduras, I got to ask that before you go. Are you like. Say again. 
are you famous in Honduras? Because every time I talk to you, he's like, I was like, there's this really cool guy. I've been over to his house. You know, I've sat and drank coffee with this person. Is it just a culture thing? My wife is correcting me and say it's a culture thing. I want to prove. I met the I president. president. You met the president. Uh, yep. <laughs> I almost I met almost two met presidents. I was in the, they call their, their place, call their the, place Oval the Oval Office, Office. and they also and they call, also they have the White House. The White House. And so I was so at the was White at House, the White House. Uh, I was uh, in I the, was the, the, the First Lady's Office, office right, outside right outside the Oval, Oval Office, Office, and we were waiting for the president to get there, and his helicopter had mechanical problems. And until they knew that it was mechanical problems instead of getting shot down, they locked the place down. So they took her so out, of the took out of the room and locked us locked in the room. In the room. <laughs> and, uh, and so we were there for like an hour or so until they found out you know, what actually happened. So I didn't get to meet him. But the first lady was, I'm from Tennessee. She was actually from Tennessee. And so that's how I got to meet her. And then I got invited to the White House uh, as a person that, who does... Uh, Mission stuff and commercial and sort of doing a little bit of everything here in Honduras. So I got to meet him, talk to him just for a minute. But it was pretty fun because when we were walking in, there was a lot of people from Marcala, which is where I'm near. And we all knew each other. And one of the girls was from 18 Rabbits. And so that's a pretty big coffee company. It's a really big coffee company. But... um and so we were walking in and I asked her, I said, I don't know which door to go in. And so there were like a dozen coffee vendors set up behind to give coffee to everybody. They're behind this rope. And so we all had like little ID badges. And so we were going through the door and she's like, well, come with us back here. Cause she thought I was coffee people. And then when the guard uh, saw my thing, he's like, well, no, you're up here. And so the embassy personnel was on the third row. Uh, I was on the second row and they weren't allowed to cross the rope. So that was a pretty good day as far as being famous. You know, all those guys that have way bigger coffee companies that are filthy rich, you know, that uh, I got to go, you know, sit up there and we got to meet the president and stuff. He speaks perfect uh, English. Uh, his name was Juan Orlando Hernandez. So they, uh, but currently he's in federal prison in New York, I think. So they extradited him to the States and put him in prison for a whole bunch of different things. I don't know what all, but, but it was, it was fun to meet him. When I first came here, everybody thought I was a buyer. And so when I would go to a cupping or something, uh, like the news station came over to talk to me and a lot of the, the farmers came over to talk to me. Uh, and then for probably the first year, we got invited to a lot of things and stuff. And when they found out, you know, we were sort of nonprofit and stuff, you know, they quit trying to sell us their coffee. But still, uh, in this year, Mark Hala is a big deal in the coffee, you know, part of Honduras. And so we won fourth place this year in, in Mark Hala. And so it was a big deal that a North American or a white person, however you want to say it, won something. And so never has any of them placed or anything like that in any of the competitions. And so, so a few years ago, I won sixth place, place in the county, county fair. fair. 
uh, but then the uh, fourth place thing was a big deal. So yeah, it was fine. The news station was out there and all that good stuff. So, but yeah, I, I you know I like to talk to people, and so when I go somewhere, it, 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 something always comes up with coffee or mission. So. Hear my wife in the background. No, what'd she say? <laughs> what you said? I like to talk to people. To it, what? I can't believe that. Because <laughs> we went one day and did a. Uh, we were invited to a podcast up in Joplin, Missouri. It's like five hours away from here. I think it's on the side. It's on the south side of Missouri. And, and we did a five-hour podcast, and it was just me and Eli. And, and this guy was interviewing us. We covered everything. I was so hungry, it wasn't even funny. But I knocked out five hours without any problem. If I'd had a hamburger, I could have kept going. And it was above. Uh, this guy's a coffee roaster, does jujitsu, uh, and just loves everything I love. So we were um, over over a coffee shop, so there was free coffee involved. So yeah, it was just uh, and he, he perfect podcast. Well, listen, I'm gonna cut off here because I've got like a percent or two left on my phone. So I figure I better say bye now before it just shuts off. So, but uh, as always, be careful, be safe, and um, hopefully everything goes well. Down there. I'll bring you back, a, bring t-shirt you back a t-shirt or something. or something. There you go. Make sure it says Honduras on it. I was just gonna bring your wife some of mine to wash. Oh, is that what it is? But but I can I can do Honduras too. <laughs> Tell her I just got her one. <laughs> Custom made. See you guys later. God bless. Hey Andrew, Bill, thanks guys for coming on tonight. Yep. And we'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, good night, guys. All right, everybody watching, I appreciate you guys watching tonight. Uh, We're on Legacy Farms Coffee 2010 on Instagram. That's where I'll be posting most this week. Uh, Thanks, Joe, Richard, everybody uh, that came on, asked questions and commented. Thank you guys for being uh, so loyal. Now, Joe, you'll have to pop back on. I'm not sure exactly who you are. I don't, there's not a... I'll have to look at look you up if I can, if it'll let me do that. But if not, PM me, Joe, because I think it said Joe Williams. Yeah. So unless you're my uncle, Joe, uh, I'll have to figure out who you are. Unless that's Eli, it might be my wife, Joe. So we'll have to figure that out. Thanks, guys. And we'll talk to you again soon.